I hope that you will turn with me in a Bible to 1 Corinthians, the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, and today we will be looking at verses 10 to 15. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10 to 15. We're looking in 1 Corinthians 3 at how the church develops, how it grows over time. And Paul begins this chapter by saying that the Corinthians, although they are Christians, they have been born again, they have trusted in Christ, they are not growing, they are not developing and maturing as they should. And he calls them out for this. And he says the evidence of this immaturity is the fact that they are dividing over personalities and preferences. Some say, I'm on Paul's team. Others say, I'm on Apollos' team. Others say, I'm with Cephas, Peter. Others say, no, no, I'm with Jesus. He says, there is jealousy and quarreling among you. You're acting like mere human beings. And while you're not less than human beings, you all should be acting like more than human beings because you've been given the very Spirit of God filling you and empowering you. He says you guys are not growing and developing as you should. And we saw that he utilized an agricultural image next. He says, think about it like this. You all are God's field. Apollos and I are God's field hands to serve you. One waters, one plants the seed, but God gives the growth. God gets all the credit for the growth. But don't think of Apollos or of me as anything other than a servant, as a field hand in God's field. This is God's church. This is God's field. But at the very end of verse 9, Paul shifts the imagery to describe the church as God's building, to utilize an architectural image. You're God's field, you're God's building. Are we growing and developing as God's building? Are we living up to God's building code? And so these verses demand self-examination of you, of me, and of this church. We are not free to build however we wish, either in our individual lives or as a church. God has established a building code, and that building code is designed for eternity. And if we are to live well, to live wisely, then we will build according to God's building code. And we're, you don't have to be an architect to know how important building codes are. And we were tragically reminded of this lately in Surfside, Florida, where Inspectors are still trying to figure out what exactly went wrong, but we know that there's something structural that 
went terribly, terribly wrong. In the same way, there can be structural problems in your life and in a church. We need to be aware of this. And with God's help, what I hope to show you above all is this truth. Building on the foundation of Jesus Christ will fortify your life for eternity. Building on the foundation of Jesus Christ our Lord will fortify your life for eternity. Because He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Conversely, building on any other foundation will forfeit your life for eternity. Building on any other foundation than Jesus Christ our Lord will forfeit your life for eternity. The options are that stark. Know that. Examine your life. Examine this church to see if we are building up to the standards of God's building code as we read these verses together at verse 10. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though as one escaping through the flames. God's building code is designed to last for eternity. And Paul says, before we talk about what you're building, we need to make sure we know what the foundation is, or rather, who the foundation is. And we need a foundation up to code. A foundation up to code. And that foundation is Jesus Christ. Notice how Paul doesn't take any credit for this. He says, by the grace God has given me, I laid the foundation. By the grace God has given me. He says earlier that while he was among them, and we read this in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Paul says, I desire to know nothing. I resolve to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
I didn't want to impress you with my eloquence. I didn't want to impress you with how much I know. I just wanted to set Jesus Christ and him crucified before you so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, on anything humans could concoct or create, but on God's power. On God's power. This is the one and only foundation that is up to code. God's code. And it is laid entirely by grace. Remember, this is Paul we're talking about. The Apostle Paul. There was a time in his life when he hated this message. He thought this message was sheer foolishness. When he thought it was blasphemy to say that the God of Israel would make himself known in a Messiah like Jesus of Nazareth. That the Messiah would die an excruciating, humiliating death on a cross. That that was God? Oh, no, 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 no. We've got to stamp that out. We've got to get rid of that. We've, not, we've got to get rid of That's not the stone that the Lord has laid in Israel. And so Paul says, I was public enemy number one of the church. I did everything I could to eradicate these people in this faith. And yet, what did God do? God found him. As he is on his way, on his way to persecute the church, Jesus himself breaks into Paul's world and into his life to say, Saul, Saul, his Hebrew name, why are you persecuting me? And Paul falls and is blinded. He can't do otherwise. And the Lord Jesus gives him instructions to find Christian community in Damascus. But remember how God prepares the way? <laughs> he, he comes to this man in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. This man in Damascus named Ananias. He says, Ananias, there's a man named Saul who's about to come to your house. I want you to welcome him. And what does Ananias say? Uh, Jesus, you've got the wrong contact information somehow. Okay? I know this guy. I've heard about him. This is the same guy that's been trying to kill Christians. There's no way. There's no way that he's coming to my house. There is no way that you have a purpose for him inside the church. And the Lord says to him, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And Ananias is obedient. All of that background is encapsulated when Paul says, by the grace God has given me. I wasn't looking for this. I didn't lay this foundation. I didn't come up with this. Jesus found me. Jesus found me. I owe my life to him. 
Consequently, when I came to Corinth, he is the foundation I laid. And he says, as a wise builder, as a skillful builder, literally as an architect, and someone else is building on it. Apollos came and preached Christ as well. And Paul says, but each one should be careful how they're building. There's only one foundation. No one can lay any other foundation. And this is vitally important. Don't miss this. If your life today is built on any other foundation, you are not a Christian. As plain as that. You may be a good person, an upstanding moral person. You may have done lots of great things. You may have accomplished lots of great things. You may be acclaimed by your neighbors. You may be respected by other people. But if your life is not built on this foundation, you are not a Christian. Likewise, churches, local communities of people who call themselves Christians can do lots of great things. They can help lots of people. They can have a great impact in their neighborhood and in their communities. But if a church is not founded on the foundation of Jesus Christ, it is not a true church. It's as simple as that. There is only one foundation that is up to code, and this is it. And no one can lay any other foundation. It is only laid by the grace of God. Why, though, is this foundation the only foundation. Think about Jesus Christ. There's nothing that excites me more in the pulpit than telling you about the glories of Jesus Christ. He is the perfect foundation for your life and the perfect foundation for the church. He is up to code because he and he alone can give you eternal life. Consider his person. He is fully human and fully God. We need someone who is fully human, who knows what it means to be hungry and thirsty and tempted and tried to represent us. He must become one of us to save us. And he did. He did. But he's also fully God. Only the power of God can save a sinner like you and like me. His person is fully sufficient to save you. Fully sufficient to be the foundation of your life come what may. When the rains fall and the waters rise, and the winds beat against your life and against a church, He and He alone can sustain you and sustain us. Not only that, think about His life. His righteous, perfect life. He succeeded where you and I have failed. We're failing right now. No one, no, not one is righteous. 
No, not one. Not me, not you. He and he alone lived a righteous life. And he was so obedient to his father that he fulfilled his mission to die for sinners like us. His death is the only all-sufficient sacrifice to atone for your failures and mine. His blood, His precious blood, and His blood alone can atone for my failures and your failures. Do you believe that today? This is a deep, deep foundation because the depths of our sin sinfulness are so deep. Do you realize how deep our sinfulness is today? Are you convinced, not just what I can see or what other people can see, but what happens in here in your head, the things you don't want anybody to know about, the thoughts, the imaginations of the human heart. The human heart is wicked beyond all things. Who can understand it? Who can tame it? And yet, the death of Jesus is fully sufficient. It is deep enough. It is wide enough. It is a foundation in perfect proportion to your sins and mine. But I can't stop there. Consider his authority. He has been raised to new life, never to die again. Never to die again. He has full authority granted to him by the Father to judge you and judge me. And at the end of the day, he is the one before whom we must all stand. We must all stand. Are you ready for that? Is your life built on this foundation or not? Again, we can build it on lots of good things. A career. We pour ourselves into our careers, our families, being the best husbands and wives and mothers and fathers that we can be. We pour our lives into trying to live well. We don't want to live foolishly, we want to live well, we want to be good neighbors. We want our lives to count. But at the end of the day, only this foundation, only Jesus Christ can fortify your life for eternity. Anything else, no matter how praiseworthy, no matter how good by human standards, will forfeit your life for eternity. Don't waste your life today I'm pleading with you, don't waste your life. It all depends on Him. He's the foundation. But what are we building on the foundation? Because we are to build. We are to work. We are to labor. God gives the growth, yes. But He uses means. He uses people like you and like me. He uses churches like Tabernacle Baptist Church. So how are we building we need to know the specifications that are up to code. The specifications. 
that are up to code. And those specifications are the imperishable. Paul says there are only two kinds of building materials. There are those that can take the heat and those that cannot. There is gold, there is silver, there are costly stones. And then there's wood, hay, and straw. Which ones will take the heat? Which ones are imperishable? Which ones are perishable? What are the building materials in your life right now? Be honest. What do you give more of your time and your energy to? Is it perishable or imperishable? Will it last beyond your lifetime or not? So what does it mean then to build with gold or silver costly stones versus wood, hay, or straw? We know there's a difference, a distinct difference, a difference that makes an eternal difference. But what does that mean? Well, to build with gold, silver, costly stones is to build in a way that is consistent with the foundation. The foundation is Jesus Christ. Don't build anything on the foundation of Jesus Christ that isn't consistent with Jesus Christ. So what will last? What will fortify your life for eternity? Anything that you do in dependence upon the Spirit of God. Because it is the Spirit of God who fills your life with Jesus and enables you to live in a way that is pleasing to God. Anything you do in dependence upon Him. I pray that what I'm doing right now in this moment is done entirely in dependence upon the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Because I can't do it by myself. I can't. But it also means that when we build, the way we build is modeled after the Lord Jesus Christ. That we seek to live as he lived. We seek to live by what he taught. That we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we love our neighbor as ourselves. We model our lives. That is what it means to build with gold and silver and costly stones. That can take the heat because Jesus can take the heat. He is a tested stone. Tested, refined. But can we be more specific? I think we can. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this famous chapter about love. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, 
even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. What can take the heat? What will last? Faith, hope, and love. Are those building materials evident in your life right now? Are those building materials evident in this church right now? Faith, hope, and love. Or not. Or not. Because each of these words points to Jesus. This is not faith in general. Faith in humanity. Faith in the world. This is faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. This isn't hope as wishful thinking, as cup is half full, or bare optimism. This is hope. Hope that Jesus Christ will return to this world to finish what he began. This is hope despite what we see or don't see. And this love, this isn't just generic feeling. This isn't warm and fuzzy. This is the same love that ran red on the cross of Jesus Christ. The same love that sent Jesus to the cross. For God so loved the world. Remember, the emphasis is not on the bigness of the world, it's on the badness of the world. For God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son. So that whoever believes in Him might not perish, but have everlasting life. That's love. The giving of oneself for the good of another. Regardless of who they are or what they've done. That's love. That will last. That will fortify your life for eternity. That will fortify this church for eternity. If we are building with the building materials of hope, faith, and love, then we are building wisely and well. But I'm afraid too often we build with wood, hay, and straw. We come to church because our friends are at church. It's a social gathering. We come to church because here we have a position. We come to church because we've always gone to church out of tradition. We come to church because it fits all of our criteria. We've shopped around. We've shopped around and we know this church matches our preferences perfectly. So this is where we decide to cast our lot. Brothers and sisters, that is wood. That's hay. That's straw. That won't last. How dare we build on the foundation of Jesus Christ with our own preferences? That's not why we're here. We're not here because of a program. We're not here because of any one ministry. We're here to encounter the living God and to live in faithful discipleship to Jesus 
to be molded by the power of the Spirit into the image of Jesus so that we sound more like Him. We live more like Him. We serve Jesus in the world with faith, hope, and love. Make no mistake, there will be an inspection. An inspection that will test the quality of your life and the quality of this church. It is an inspection up to code. It is the day of judgment. The day that determines every other day. The inspection. And what are we told about it? It will come like fire. Their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. The way you have lived, the way you have built, what we have done as a church, it will be tested by fire. There's no escaping this. And so often Christians think, okay, well, I've got the foundation right. And it's probably okay if I just kind of pop up a little tent on top of that foundation. That'll, that'll suffice, right? I just don't want to go to hell, right? I don't want to endure God's eternal punishment. But I've got the foundation right. Let me just pop a little tent up here, and I'm, and I'm happy, right? I'm happy. I'm in. I'm enjoying it. No, no, no. Don't be so small-minded, How dare we put a tent on the foundation of Jesus Christ? We all will endure this judgment. We all, those who have been born again and those who have not been born again, those who are true Christians and those who are not Christians, we all will endure this judgment. While, yes, by God's grace, we are saved if the foundation is Jesus. We are not to stop there because the quality of what we do, what we build on that foundation will be tested and rewards will be meted out. Yes, rewards. What are they? I have no idea, honestly. I have no idea. But I think it's for our good and for God's glory that we're not told so that we're not trying to earn something from God. Well, I'm going to do this thing for God so that I'll have a better house in heaven. No, no, no. No, trust God that he is good and he gives good rewards and he will honor our faithfulness. Even if all we hear is well done, good and faithful servant. That's enough for me. I don't know about you. That's enough for me. But when we try to put hay or wood, or straw on the foundation of Jesus. We might be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames by the skin of our teeth. By the skin of our teeth. Yes, we're saved. Yes, we're baby Christians. Yes, we have the foundation. But is that really what we should settle for? I pray that you wouldn't settle for that. I pray that Tabernacle Baptist Church would not settle for that. We want to build with gold, with silver, with costly stones. We want to build with faith, hope, and love because these three remain. 
Amen? These three remain, and the greatest of these is love. Is your life up to code today? Are you ready for this day? This day could come like a thief in the night. We have no idea when it could come, but we're promised it will come, and we are to be ready. Is this church ready? Are we careful with the way we are building or not? But I can't end without circling back to that foundation. And by reiterating Jesus' parable of the wise and the foolish builders. It may be that you thought you knew the foundation, you thought you knew what counted, but in fact, you don't. Is your life built on the foundation of Jesus Christ? Do you truly know Him? Or do you merely know about Him? Are you truly part of His church? This building filled by the Spirit of God? Do you know the Holy Spirit? Have you felt His power in you? Convicting you of your sinfulness? Drawing you closer to Christ to find forgiveness and mercy and grace? Do you know real faith, hope, and love? It's available. Look no further. Jesus Christ is available now by the power of the Holy Spirit. All you have to do is trust Him and say, Jesus, I want You to be Lord of my life. I repent of my sinfulness. I know that everything I've been building on is not a firm foundation. This is not a solid rock. It is shifting sand. And Lord, I am not ready for the storms of life. I'm not ready for the rains to fall, for the waters to rise, for the winds to blow as they inevitably will for us all. I'm not ready. Well, say today, I want to build on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and on none other. Would that be your prayer today? Tabernacle, are we building on the solid rock of Jesus Christ or not? By the power of the Holy Spirit, may we build with faith, hope, and love on the only sure and certain foundation, Jesus Christ, the precious cornerstone. Amen. Let's go to him in prayer. Dear Lord, this is your church. Our lives belong to you. May we never, ever forget that. Lord, impress upon our hearts and our minds the reality that there is a judgment awaiting every single one of us. There is a day that will determine every other day. And Lord, if we have never yet prepared for that day, I pray that this day would be the day of salvation. I pray that this day we would know the certainty of Jesus Christ. May we be ready. Lord, may this be a true church. May we be true Christians built upon the only foundation 
Jesus Christ, our Lord. May we build carefully. May we be fortified for eternity. Lord, may we never forfeit our lives. I pray for anyone here that is in danger of forfeiting his life or her life. Lord, wake them up. Wake us all up. May we never waste our lives. May we be filled and empowered by your Spirit throughout eternity. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.